Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Well, good morning. Gosh, I just, I'm having so much fun today. I just want to stay here. Can we just hang out for the rest of the day? Is that cool? Like, Leas is out here singing one of my favorite songs, Jesus Loves Me, and I've got like, okay, let's just sit here and we'll sing Jesus Loves Me all day. And then Jennifer with her kids' message this morning, it's awesome. I love, I love that we have the kids' message in our sermon every week. It just brings so much warmth to my soul. And you got a little snippet about what we're talking about today. So super, super cool. I'm so glad that you're here. I love you. I miss you, Unison. I can't wait to be together again in person. So the kind of cool thing that I love is that we're in the middle of a love story. And no, I'm not starting the sermon yet. We'll do that in a second. But we're in the middle of a love story, guys. And it makes me so, so happy. So... Not only is Exodus part of the love story and how he created, um, started this, this nation, these children of God, and it's very important to do that, and that's why exactly we're studying it, is we see how, how, it, was, how it started, how the family began. Um, but we're in the middle of a love story, and I think sometimes we forget that. I think that we forget how much God loves us and how every little thing, whether we understand it or not, is part of that love story. And so I just want you to think about that today um, as we're talking. I know that when we study Exodus, sometimes it can get a little heady, but I want you to see how all the little pieces, all of the little steps, every piece of it was some way that God was loving his people. And I just hope that you can, you can pull some of that out and you can learn a little bit about the character of God, because we're going to ask you about that later. All right. So we are in um, the, the final week of our Becoming series, and so, oh my goodness, what a series it has been. It has been so, so much fun. We have learned so much about the character of God, and we have learned about how we pulled him out of Egypt, out of this area of sin and slavery and bad influence, and he rescued them, right? That was a big portion of comfort. They learned a few lessons on the way making bad choices, right? That happened. We also learned about the ground rules, right? The family ground rules, expectations for living as God's people. Because becoming like in the likeness of God is something that happens over time, right? It's a process. It doesn't just happen the moment you accept Christ. Although he brings his spirit inside of you, it is a process to become more like our Father. This process of becoming... Um, we have set those family, family ground rules. We got the blueprints for the tabernacle. So um, I love how Jennifer put it in the kids' message. But, I mean, in this day and time, we kind of take it for granted we have this building, right? Which um, we're going to talk about because we got to do that announcement. But in, in their time, they moved around a lot, right? So hence the tabernacle. So... The tabernacle was your mobile sanctuary. <laughs> anyway, it makes, it makes it so much fun. Um, I'm going to back up one second, though, and tech is going to kill me. They love me so very much. But I forgot announcements, so we're going to do that real quick before I get further in. So 
Um, I, we just wanted to, one quick announcement for this week is I, I'm so, so proud of you for all of the praying and different fasting and, and just being united in prayer on behalf of Unison. We've prayed for our outreach, we've prayed for um, our staff and our leadership team, we've prayed for our serving teams, we've prayed for family ministries. I'm so proud of you for praying as a church. And I just wanted to make sure that you understand how much we love and support you and how we appreciate your prayers as a church body, a church family. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, this week, all we have to say is that we would like your prayer as far as our forever home. You know, the building that we're hanging out in right now, we don't currently own it, but that is a passion that we have. And so we have some... Things coming down the pipeline, and really all I want from you this week is if you could just join us in prayer on how God wants to provide for Unison's forever home. What does that look like? What is he calling each one of us to do? What kind of connections do we have? But how is God calling us to be a part of providing for Unison's forever home? So we're going to start off with a little bit of prayer this morning, and then we'll dive into our our message this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for being present with us this morning. We feel your presence no matter where we are. Let us never forget that you transcend space and time and even the internet. And so while we're virtual at the moment, Lord, you are here amongst all of us no matter where we sit and what screen we're staring at, Lord. We thank you for that ability. And we don't take it for granted that you are able and willing to be with us in the midst. We love you, Jesus. We know that you've been working ahead of time. We know that you've already planted so many seeds and talked to us about your character through this study of Exodus. And I just pray that you continue that today as we wrap up the series. I pray that you show us portions of your character, Lord. Just as Moses asked to see the, the glory, the presence of your glory, Lord. I pray that you show us something about your character as we wrap up this series today. May my words be your words, and may they be pleasing and honoring to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for that. So we left off last week. So last week, we saw that the people of God still have some learning to do, right? My goodness. And I, we can't expect people to be perfect from day one. So... I guess I can't really blame them. But they made some terrible mistake by disobeying some of the laws that God just gave them, some of the expectations. They were habits from Egypt, and they were just, they were led astray. Just old sinful habits. I, I mean, that's never happened, right? We've never experienced that, or we went back to one of our old sinful ways, right? But anyhow, so those, so what happened is after the calf was destroyed, we, we, Talked about that with Ben last week. He did such a phenomenal job of explaining it to us. Um, so after that, those who were unwilling to, to follow God's rules, those who were unwilling in their heart, were purged, right? And then those who were willing, they got another chance. They learned their lesson and they got a second chance because God is just and God is forgiving. But it's a condition of the heart. So... They got another chance. 
So now we are in chapter 37, and verse 17 is kind of where we're starting off today. But God, or Moses asked God to always be present with them. And the, what's significant about this, and it's a verse that you skip over quickly, but what's significant about this is that since God took them out of Egypt and called them to be God's children, Moses wanted them to look different also. Because Moses' heart was being transformed to that of what God's heart is, right? And so what he wanted for them was God's spirit to always be with them so that they would be set apart, so that they would look different than the other nations. So Moses asked God to always be with them so that they can look different. And Moses' desire for God to go with them makes God happy. It brings him joy. So the Lord says to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets, like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning. Oh, man. I don't know how I would feel if I broke them. And then come up on, the, on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain, and no one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. So Moses chisels out these stones tablets as God instructed. And I, honestly, I think if it were me, it would have felt a little bit foolish. And I would probably be sitting there chiseling out those stones as carefully as I possibly could. Like, ooh, God, I'm sorry. Let me make these perfect. <laughs> I would feel embarrassed. Not exactly sure how Moses felt, but I would be. So then the Lord came down in the mountain, and he stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands of generations, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet... He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents through the third and fourth generation. So God grants Moses' request by allowing Moses to see the radiance of his presence. And this is kind of significant um, because his radiance is about the most that any human could really stand. So in a way, as he fills Moses' request, and also, he also protects him because God knows that if any human being were to actually see the face of his glory, they wouldn't be able to stand it. And so he puts Moses in the side of a cliff, and he covers Moses' face with his hand as the Lord passes, passes by and then lifts it so that Moses can see the back of him, the back of God's radiance as he passes and so he grants the request, but he also shows compassion and love in the fact that he does it in a way that protects Moses. And I think that's just so beautiful because sometimes I know we ask things that are not necessarily the safest for us or the healthiest for us, and that's kind of what Moses was doing here. It wasn't safe for him to see the full, the full glory of God, and so God grants it in a way that also protects it. So... There is, we are going from chapter 33 all the way to 40. So we're going to sum up some things here in the middle. Um, so we have the new stone tablets. 
Um, that happens, and God gives, God gives the instructions, and Moses puts them on, on the new stone tablets that he broke. He's up there. Another 40 days and nights fasting in God's presence. Oh my goodness, that makes me hungry just thinking about it. Um, but again, we have this thing of fasting in God's presence. And again, it's this area of compassion because God sustains him through that. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could live 40 days and 40 nights without any sort of food or water. That's called divine fasting, and I certainly wouldn't do that without God's permission. Um, also, some, he gives Moses some reminders as he's up there, and he talks about do not intermarry and come, become corrupt with false gods. Celebrate in my honor and remember the Sabbath. So there's a couple of things to talk about here. So who you surround yourself with matters. Right? And so the mandate about intermarriage was less about different people than it was about sin and the influence of sin. Because in these other cultures, if you remember the, the cultural context of where they were, everyone celebrated a gazillion different gods. There was a god for the, for the sun. There was a god for the land. There was a god for rain. There was a god for love. There was a god for everything. And so basically what they would do is they would run around and... I'm going to give this to this God, and hopefully they will bless me. And I'm going to give this to this God as a sacrifice, and hopefully he will bless me. And they're just running around doing all this. That was the culture. That was the normal. So this mandate to not intermarry was more about safeguarding God's people from influence, the influence of sin and temptation. And then also he talks about festivals. The people were to celebrate festivals to honor God. And there's, there's a whole bunch in there on the festivals. You can get in that, those last few books of Exodus and read about those. Um, but they did celebrate those festivals to honor God. And then it, of course, brings, again, attention to the word Sabbath. Have you guys noticed that in all six weeks, all six weeks, there's a mention about the Sabbath? Sabbath rest was so important to God's design for us that he continuously reminds us Sabbath rest, a day to honor me, Sabbath rest. Our bodies, our beings, our minds, our spirits are designed for that. We're designed to have a day to pause, to recoup, to reconnect with God, and to put us back on track. Because if you're off, if you're off the rails for too long, things are going to get disastrous. So Sabbath was designed as a way to love us, folks, and all the way through Exodus, he talks about Sabbath. So we should find it just as important. So a really cool thing, I love um, this picture of Moses um, when he comes down off of Mount Sinai. And I find this so interesting because it talks in Exodus about how when Moses comes down off the mountain, spending 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, in God's glory, he absorbed a little bit of that radiance and so as you see in the picture, his face was glowing so radiantly that the people became anxious. It actually made them nervous that Moses' face was glowing so brightly, but how could it not when he spent all that time in the presence of God? And so Moses actually fashioned a veil that he would put over his face when he was in the presence of the people um, to help them not feel anxious. But then he would take it off any time that he was in God's presence. And so I find that rather cool and just kind of interesting to think about 
how at that point on, the only person that actually saw Moses' face was God himself. I'm not sure if you've, you know, ever, when you read through the book of Exodus, have you ever caught that? Has it stood out to you? So often we read scripture and we breeze over things, but if you actually stop to digest it, to let it ruminate in your mind, you discover new things about scripture that you didn't learn before. And that was a cool one that stood out to me this week. So Moses comes down, he's got the new tablets. He also has those blueprints that we talked about. And at this point, it's time to start collecting everything. Because we have a tabernacle to build after all, right? But in order to build it, we need supplies to do that. And so um, there's this uh, mandate that's given. Anyone who would, is willing to give are to give these things. And it lists all of the, the linens and the golds and the gemstones and um, all, the, all the different things to build, the acacia wood, all of these things are listed. If this is something that you have and it is in your spirit to give back to God, we are accepting these donations so that we can build God's, God's sanctuary, his tabernacle, his mobile church to be among us. And so with that, they start collecting these donations and the master builders that God set up and he specifically gave skills to start building this thing. And what happens is the people are so overjoyed to give these donations to God that they just continuously keep bringing them. Day after day, they bring more, and they bring more, and they've got linen in mountains, and they've got wood over here in giant stacks, and the builders are like, whoa, hold on. These people are so excited about giving, they've given way too much. This is more than what we need to create this thing, right? And I think that's rather interesting because, um, let's see, where is it? There'll be a graphic coming up that shows, um, we're not ready for it yet, but when it does come up, there's a graphic that shows like the, the tabernacle in comparison to an American football field. So I want you to think about this part of the message when we get to that graphic and how massive this thing is, okay? So they collect all of the things that they need to build it and they have to restrain the people from giving. <laughs> the people are restrained after an overabundance of joyous giving. They receive so much um, from the offerings the Israelites had brought that the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning, and the skilled workers who were doing all of the work in the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. So Moses restrains the people. Wow, guys. So I think about this and what it would be like, oh my goodness, if the joyous giving in our present day and culture was that like the people in Exodus. Can you imagine if our joyous giving was anywhere near that? Can you imagine being able to start a food pantry can you imagine funding the bus stop ministry indefinitely? Can you imagine what it would be like, the impact we could have on the community if our giving was just as joyous and just as abundant that we had to go, whoa, guys, we got to come up with some other way to use this, right? Oh, that warms my soul. <laughs> the enthusiasm of the people was so, so encouraging. So encouraging. 
So here we get to the tabernacle and all its pieces, and there's a graphic that you can see a little bit more online. We have this little silly model here, and I brought it in just because I had it, and they also used it in the kids' message, but it's a little paper model of, uh, of the tabernacle and what it would have looked like. It's got the, the courtyard and the, holy, and the holy of holies. It's like they just keep adding on adjectives as they get further into the sanctuary, right? Um, Kim smiled at me. <laughs> but here's that graphic up here um, on the screen, and you can go ahead and look at that where it has the, the tabernacle, and it's sitting next to the American football field. And so if you see that there, can you see the, the size of it? I see it on, there we go. Do you see the football field in the corner, and then you see the size of this tabernacle? Kind of cool, right? Can you imagine why it took 8,580 people to assemble and disassemble and carry that thing from place to place going forward? That puppy was big. So one insight that I gained from this text was how God gave the instructions. and He started from the inner portion, which I think is so cool. So he started, when he gave us the blueprints, a couple weeks ago, he started from the inner, the holy of holies. He started on the inner part of the sanctuary, at the heart of it. And then his instructions worked outward. But I find that super, super interesting because as we see in these last few chapters of Exodus, when they actually start the construction, the master builders start it, the Bible tells us that they actually work from the outside in. And it talks to us a little bit about our humanity in comparison to God, right? Because God, when he sees us, he sees our heart. He starts with the inside. Now, eventually, he may talk to us about the care of our temples, our bodies, but he starts with the heart. That's what he's concerned with. Whereas humans, we have a tendency to see the outside of things before we even look at the heart. So I just thought that was a really cool insight this week as God started to talk about it with me. It's also, it was so massive and detailed that God actually assigned by name people from the Levite tribe, and there's different clans within the Levite tribe, right? So the Levite tribe was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then they all broke down into smaller clans. Well, he took a few of the clans of the Levites, and he assigned every single man between the ages of 30 and 50, and he assigned by name a certain piece of this tabernacle for them to care for. They were to assemble it. They were to disassemble it. They were to carry it. They were to repair it. Joe, this is your piece. This little pole right here, that's your piece. You're going to carry this pole. Okay, Simon over here. Simon, this one right here, this little loop that holds this curtain together, this is yours. You're taking care of this. And it went on and on and on, and God assigned them by name, not by choice. He assigned them by name a piece of the tabernacle to care for. That was their responsibility to serve. And I find that so interesting not that they were forced. Their hearts were so overjoyed that they wanted to serve, and God assigned them by name a certain piece to care for, a per certain piece to serve him with. And this is another one of those moments because I'm thinking, 
if the church had the same expectation, if we were, if we were still in our present day and culture, this overjoyed to serve God, would we have to ask for more volunteers? Or would there just be so many people that want to be in service to God within the church that we would have an abundance? Oh my goodness, I'd never have to stand up here and say, I need more children's workers, I need more youth workers. Because our people would be so overjoyed to serve God that it wouldn't be necessary. We just say, all right, next. All right, can you care for this? Great. I love you. God loves you. Keep going. Like, we would have such an amazing church if our spiritual maturity had that depth to it that serving him brought us joy. So it takes about nine months to build this guy. There's a lot of parts here. It takes about nine months to build that thing with all of the skilled workers that, that God called. And Moses inspects it and he sets it up and the glory of God fills the tabernacle. So this picture, this graphic um, on the screen for you here in a second is just a graphic that shows what it might have looked like. So if you can think about the radiance of Moses' face, think about what it would have looked like to have the glory of God on the tabernacle. There it is, nice and bright. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that looked like? And if you study scripture, it's actually interesting. It talks about um, the ark inside the Holy of Holies as God kind of hanging out there between the cherubim. I know you can't see this. I'm sorry. Look up ark. We had it on one of our screens in the last sermons, but that's actually where he hung out. Think of it as kind of like a throne chair maybe. Um, that's also where the tablets of stone and the, um, the sample of the manna and several other things were, were placed as well. But that's kind of where God hung out in this space. So very, very cool in that picture. Now I'm messing with my model. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle after ten months or nine months of that. So that kind of brings us a little bit towards the end of the book of Exodus. And it's so cool because what we have studied in the second half of Exodus is all of the ways that God's people were being prepared. And I think about it. I mean, if you think about um, those of you that are preparing for a wedding, those of you that are preparing for the birth of a baby or graduation or so many other different events, if you think about all of the planning and all of the details that go into preparing for that, how long it takes, how intricate those details are, it's kind of what we see here, right? And there's several things that have to be changed. The biggest one is the heart of the people. The people are becoming this process of becoming the children of God. See, if they're going to be set apart from the world, they needed this time in the desert. They needed this time to purge sinful habits, things that they learned in Egypt. They needed to get rid of that. They needed to learn God's expectations, those family ground rules, right? They needed to understand these things. They needed opportunities to make mistakes and to learn from them. How many of us learn better through our mistakes than we do through being told what we should do? Because learning from those mistakes 
has a bigger impact. It teaches us things. We learn the why very quickly through mistakes. So this is the portion where we have taken care of the details. We have, we've worked on those expectations. We've set the ground rules. We have built a mobile sanctuary because God wants to be among his people. He wanted to be among them then. He wants to be among us now. Now, then we didn't obviously have these big buildings. We had a mobile sanctuary, which is what the tabernacle is, a mobile tent. I was talking to the kids this week, and we were talking about going camping this summer again. And I thought, hey, guys, wouldn't it be cool if we brought an extra tent? And we just called that God's tent. He's just tabernacle. He's going to hang out with us while we're camping. And of course they laughed, but that's, that's kind of what it is. It's just remembering that we bring God with us. He's with us wherever we go. He is among us. So we've spent this time in the desert becoming God's people. Now, at the end of Exodus, we're ready. We turn from Mount Sinai, and here we are. We're going to head to the promised land. We needed that process. We needed that process before we could accomplish what God had ahead of us. And I know so many times we're like, if I could just get to this, if I could just do that, if this one day would come, I'm just waiting on that vacation or I'm just waiting on this next opportunity. But why is it taking so long? Becoming is a process. And in that process is love. Because if we get to the promised land too quickly and we're not ready, we're not going to have the success that we need. We're not going to have what God intends us to have. So an important thing that we need to remember is sometimes we get so excited about things, but there's a process of becoming, and we need to submit it to our Father and say, is this it? Is this your plan? And if so, when? If not, what? Because if we're not ready for the promised land, it's not going to be blessed. This time in the desert for Israel, for the people of God, that process of becoming prepared them for what God had in store for them. They needed this time in the desert to become the children of God. So through this study of Exodus, I have a couple questions for you. In what way are you still becoming? I'm going to let that float in the air for a few minutes and let you think about it. In what way are you still becoming? We're not perfect right away. There's something that we're still being worked on. There's things that I'm still being worked on. God is still in the process of transforming us. In what ways are you still becoming the children of God? Are you being shaped? Are you being shaped into God's likeness, both as an individual and as a church family? Can I stop and tell you how much I love my Unison family? I love you so, so much. And when we are together, when we work together, when we pray for one another, when we reach into our communities and we do good, 
because of God's love, and we show that together. I am so, so, so proud of us. When we pray together, it's powerful. So again, I stop to thank you for these last several weeks of praying together as a church family. Are you being shaped into God's likeness, both as an individual and as a church family? Lean into your house churches, guys. Lean into them. They're there for a purpose. And what have you learned about your God through this study of Exodus? What characteristics about God have you learned through this study? Have we listened? Have we heard about his love, his compassion, his protection, his provision, his justice? What have you learned about your God through this study? I love you so much, Unison family. So, for those of you that are on Facebook, we're going to pray and we're going to exit. For those of you that are on Zoom, go ahead and stay and we'll go to our house groups here in just a moment, but let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we've learned so much through studying this process of becoming the children of God in the desert, learning, growing, becoming your children. We thank you for this time, this moment to slow down and to think about that process and how important that process is for us, God, because in it is your love, your joy, your protection, your wisdom your expectation. So while it's not comfortable to be in the desert at times, Lord, we thank you for desert moments and what we can learn through them, Lord. We also thank you for how desert moments help us to prepare for that moment when we turn from Mount Sinai and we head to the promised land, God. I thank you for the way that um, you have encouraged our church and you have allowed us to become united in prayer and fasting and listening to your, your spirit, Lord. We thank you for that. I pray that you're working in hearts right now, that your spirit has convicted souls and helped us to find where it is, God, that you are working with us. Because you love us so much that you don't, don't leave us broken. You continue process of teaching us so that we become your children more and more. Thank you for not leaving us in your brokenness. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. I pray that it's an encouragement to those that are listening, and I pray your goodness on, on them today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Facebook, we love you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.